All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Mystery Stories World History class. If you are not in world history, uh, you can continue to listen. I have no problem with that, but it's also not going to really help you in the class today. Today, we're going to kind of move on from France and Spain. We spent a long time on there on uh, Tuesday of this week when we went through it. But it's just something to think about as we go on. We got to move to the other parts of Europe as Europe is the big focus of this of this chapter and of this, honestly, of this entire course. We're gonna look at England today. England did something differently than France and Spain did at this time because they already had their problems with an absolute ruler. And they had this way of fighting against it and it's going to be this system that encourages growth. It's going to be a parliamentary system where people have somewhat of a say while at the same time, there's still a king. So it starts with the Tudor monarchs. We have King Henry VIII. Uh, he starts, they believe in divine right. They kind of don't run the way they should. Uh, they, when they break away from the Roman Catholic Church under Henry VIII so that he could to divorce, Parliament comes through with this idea that, hey, he needs to at least talk to us. I'm not saying he needs to be in charge of everything, but we're here. We should be listened to. And then when Henry's daughter, Elizabeth I, who's one of the most famous queens, honestly, in the history of England, when she took over, she listened to them when she asked, which she didn't do very often. But after she passed away and she didn't have any children in 1603, that changed. Because the people who took over are gonna be called the Stuarts. And this is called the Stuart Monarchy. And it's gonna start with James the first. And James the first comes in and he sits there and goes, listen, God put me in control. Because God put me in control, I am all powerful. I am who we all need. I'm what we're going to do. And he doesn't dissolve Parliament necessarily, but what he does do is he makes it very difficult for Parliament to truly run. But he also lived an extravagant lifestyle and blew all of his money, so then he had to go and beg Parliament for money. They gave in, but they also gave in to a point where he gave them some power, but not enough to really do anything. This is gonna bring, he's gonna then pass away in 1625, his son Charles I takes over. Uh, Charles was an absolute monarch as well. And at the end of it, uh, or I'm sorry, during his process, he imprisoned all of his enemies of political thought. He pushed for a different idea with money. Um, he insisted before, before anything and finally changes, Charles had to sign a document and this basically said he can't raise taxes without the consent of Parliament. So Parliament had to agree to raise taxes. He signed it and then he got rid of the Parliament in 1629. So right after he signs, he's like, all right, cool, great, we'll do this. And he's like, you know what, Parliament, go home. We're never talking again. This section is what is just going to lead to more anger between the two sides. And 
when the parliament decided they were going to come back in and they were going to take over again and say, basically forget it. We're gonna do our thing because this isn't fair. Uh, he went on an attack against his radical leaders. This is going to lead to civil war. People assumed that in the civil war, Charles I was going to be the one. He was a cavalier is their name. And as they did, but the parliament had more people or the people who wanted the parliament had more people. And what they really wanted to do was they just wanted a government for the regular everyday person. And they are led by a man named Oliver Cromwell. And Oliver Cromwell sets up this new army. It actually ends up winning. They arrest the king. The king decides that he is not going to even give a verdict in his trial. So he is found guilty. And because he is found guilty, he is committed of treason, which leads to the execution of Charles I. Cromwell and his government then take over. But here's the problem is that people don't look at Cromwell. People don't look at this idea in a government of basically this is like the right idea. They're kind of like, listen, cool, you're in charge, guy. But are you really in charge? Because we got all these people in Ireland who think they're in charge. We got different people in Scotland who think they're in charge. There's no way there's just one of you really in charge. And so they don't have this real, this real power. So... Puritans came out and with Cromwell and they basically tried to say, listen, you are all godless people, so we need to get rid of everybody who's godless. And they just passed all types of laws. So like, for instance, if you were over the age of 14, which most of you are, and you ever, uh, if you ever did something against the Sabbath on a Sunday, you could be fined. Basically what that means is if you did something wrong on, the, on a Sunday, you could be in trouble for that and lose your money. Obviously the people were not okay with this open idea of worship and how they wanted to do things. And when Oliver Cromwell died, uh, when Oliver Cromwell died, uh, they, they didn't have any way of holding on to what was going on. So a couple, he, they, they, they realize that the people are sick of the way this is being run. So what that leads is to this idea of a glorious revolution. And the glorious revolution is arguably the most important part in the history of, of this country. Uh, Charles II takes over to start the glorious revolution or the idea of the glorious revolution. He restores the Church of England. He kind of brings back some of this regular thought that they had. The Glorious Revolution is going to happen officially when William and Mary come over from the Netherlands and they take over. And when they come over, the first thing that they do, or one of the first things that they do, is they pass something called the English Bill of Rights. The English Bill of Rights is going to officially limit the amount of power that the government has. Once that system is set up, now you're going to have this breakdown into, okay, we need to have political parties. Who believes this? Who believes that? We're going to have an election. We're going to have a cabinet system in which the king appoints people to be in charge of certain aspects or the prime minister does. And the prime minister is going to be the direct reporter to the king. But the king doesn't have all the power. The king can't just make a final decision. 
It is a change in this system that it actually revolutionized the rest of the world because this is the beginning to look like a congressional system like we see here in the United States. And this congressional system allows us in the United States when we fight for our independence to really push the extremes and the norms. Again, I want to thank you guys so much for listening. I know this stuff can isn't necessarily the most exciting because we can't get all the way into it. But understand that this is here designed for you guys and designed for your help in the way we are doing things. Thank you very much for all of your attention. And I really hope these are helping. Please, if you have any comments, any ideas as to what, how I can make these podcasts any better or even anything at all, please let me know. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Bye.